I, I mean, but up until that point, it had been quite difficult for us, obviously, writing an album in the middle of a fucking pandemic. I think everybody was in the same boat. So typically we would, you know, Gunze would fling some ideas around, Gunze and uh, Stephen. And then maybe once we had three or four songs down, we would all go and get in a room together. And that's when we start hashing out the structures and stuff like that. And we we start playing with the songs. But because of lockdown, we didn't have the luxury of that. Um, the Lodge was really our only chance to get together and kind of work through the ideas that we had. Obviously, we didn't have a drum kit up there. Welcome back to the Headbangers podcast, where you're hosting Nathan and Brad. Here today, we're joined by Ali from Bleed From Within. How are you doing, man? Start with. Uh, aye, aye, very good. This is the last interview of the day, so I've cracked a wee beer to celebrate. And uh, yeah, uh, looking Everyone's forward. got beers but me. <laughs> I should have brought that? one. Everyone's got beers but me because Nathan's brought some craft beers oh, as well. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, this isn't very, um, this is just a wee Australia. You know, I'm going, I'm usually in about the crafties, but um, just just keeping it, keeping it easy now. I've spent too much money on that shit, so... Yeah, literally just before you joined, I, I cracked it open and it just exploded all over my monitor. Yeah. I just had to, like, quickly wipe it off. Brilliant. Yeah, I've got um, Alliance by The Beer Company. It's pretty nice. Ooh, very um, nice. Very nice. Yeah. Nice little Christmas present that I've had in my fridge for quite a while. You've had that now. since Christmas? That's yeah, amazing. But, like, incredible. Gone. Mate, mate, just trying to clear out the like my fridge from the amount of beer that I got at Christmas. Like, it was ridiculous. It got to a point where I'm like, right, now I can bring the crate from work. <laughs> <laughs> right, I mean, to be fair, I've still got some stuff from uh, from my, my birthday last year, I think. I don't know how that's kind of survived. It's in the back of the cupboard, kind of hiding for me, but... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I'll need to see that off now that I've... I'm impressed with the restraint, guys, to be honest, because it would be gone <laughs> if it was me. <laughs> All right. Uh, I want to start with, like, a little icebreaker. Um, what's your funniest tour story that you can recall? Oh, God. You're asking the wrong guy for this. I forget everything as soon as it happens. <laughs> um, I've been asked this before on this um, on this sort of press cycle, and, I, again, I was like, oh, I honestly couldn't tell you. Um, I, I guess... <laughs> this is the first thing that came to mind, right? So I used to play with a, I used to play with a little fan, a drum fan that would sit in front of the kit. Most drummers had it behind them, I kind of blowing up at them, sort of thing. But my ponytail would always just end up sort of flapping like this <laughs> if I had it behind me. So I always had to sit it in front of me, so it was just getting me in the face. Uh, and on the smaller stages, like our singer Kennedy famously has quite a toxic ass and has really bad farts. And uh, <laughs> what would happen is Kennedy would be standing right at the back of the fan and then it would just get accelerated right into my face um there was one time that nearly brought me to tears and i was nearly sick uh, on stage so there's there's a funny story for you (laughs) other than that i don't i don't know what else i could share uh really i think it's the stuff that goes on that isn't really that's quite unique to be honest so (laughs) i'll give you that one (laughs) you know i absolutely love that i hope he hope he sees this (laughs) to be fair we've always had like you know like one 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 thing like trend that we notice when we ask the question is it's either it always either involves piss or shit it doesn't it, it's really it's really weird but it's like the first one that includes like farts <laughs> um with that being said one of our uh was it my drum tech i think it was i uh, young logan i think he accidentally drank a bottle of pish once just waking up hungover on the van and he thought it was water and he'd <laughs> had a swig of that so again sorry logan um i'm pretty sure it was him it was somebody that has made that mistake so there you go. There's some farts and there's some pish, and then that's me. <laughs> thank you. you. You've ticked all our checkboxes. So thank you. <laughs> yeah. So I kind of want to obviously jump into the the, the writing of the album. Um, I did notice on your Instagram um, that you guys obviously went to the uh, Scottish Highlands and uh, did a bit of writing there in a little cabin. Can you, you can sort of bring me through, like talk us through um, that pro- sort of process being in, in in that cabin and what the experience was like overall. I, I mean, but up until that point, it had been quite difficult for us, obviously, writing an album in the middle of a fucking pandemic. I think everybody was in the same boat. So typically we would, you know, Gunze would fling some ideas around, Gunze and uh, Stephen. And then maybe once we had three or four songs down, we would all go and get in a room together. And that's when we start hashing out the structures and stuff like that. And we, we start playing with the songs. But because of lockdown, we didn't have the luxury of that. Um, the Lodge was really our only chance to get together and kind of work through the ideas that we had. Obviously we didn't have a drum kit up there. 
Um, but it was kind of, Stephen had a studio set up uh, at the top of the lodge and then Gunzi was kind of set up in the living room. I was kind of in the kitchen with just the laptop programming drums to what they were writing. And Davey was tracking stuff as well. Um, and Kennedy was doing some vocals at the same time. So we had about three days there. And that's when we really kind of, uh, what would the word be like sort of honed in on the sound of the album sort of thing up until that point it had been quite scattered and there were loads of riffs and loads of ideas but that was the first time that restrictions had been sort of loose enough for us to go and get together and and uh and really sort of honing on the sound and i think the last thing we did before we left in the morning we sort of packed everything up and then we sat and went right let's listen to all the songs to start to finish the 10 demos i think we had at that point and that's when we really sort of got a scope on, right, what's missing? What is it we want to change and, and where are we going to go? So that was a, definitely a turning point um, in the writing process. Oh, yeah, definitely. I feel like it probably helped as well just sort of being in the same room and being like able to like hash it out and like sort of go, well, this is my idea. Because like, I, 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 you know, like from... The worst just, that. <laughs> well, even just being, you know, like obviously over COVID, like, COVID, like we felt it on the podcast where because we were never really seeing each other because we was in our houses constantly, sort of like figuring stuff out proved very difficult because it was like ah oh, is he gonna see the message what's it, 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 it stuff like that so i feel like just being in the room has probably really helped um, yeah def- definitely right? man. That, that's that's the way that we work as a band um we've always sort of fed off each other's energy and just being face to face and being in the same room and stuff like that so like like i said that was really our chance to kind of hone in for all of us to say our piece and really focus on you know, the, the first sort of lyrics coming together, the first kind of vocal demos coming together and really get a feel for what the album was going to be about. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, I, well, I just I like always... a weightlifted as well. Like, you know, when you just finally get to play it together, a lot of aggression's allowed. Definitely, that was kind of like the... Uh, that's when you started to see some sense of normality maybe coming back after uh, after COVID, you know? So it was kind of like, oh, we're all here together. Fucking hell, this is, this is great. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, that was brilliant. Yeah, yeah definitely. Because I think like um, I think as well. Like obviously, you mentioned lyrics. I I find like I think it's a lot easier. I as a band when you when you're writing and you're coming up with lyrics. Like if you've got the band there in a way, because the, like there's certain lines that like uh like because I, I I obviously I do vocals myself. Um, that you know like you get you guitarist might just go oh we'll say that and you're there like well I wouldn't have thought of that but it fits there. So I, I feel like just having people around, especially if you're going through like obviously vocal patterns and and writing lyrics, you're gonna be like, oh, yeah, I didn't think of that. So like it's just better to spitball ideas in in person. I feel definitely. I mean, it was that was the interesting thing about this album though. Like we 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 were having to do that digitally so much that it kind of it was the first time we'd had to do that. So as soon as you were getting, you know, when we were getting demos in from Gunzi or Stephen or whoever, that's when we were kind of like right. I would go out on a walk in the morning and listen to the demos and take notes on that and then get it back to him straight away and be like, right, these are the changes. This is what I think should should be going on there. And me and Kennedy were on Zoom quite regularly, just going through the, the lyrics and vocal placements and stuff. And it's the first time that we'd had to do it like that, but you obviously didn't have a choice. So it was definitely a, a different way of working towards it. Definitely. Yeah, I want to say, um, obviously, before we started it, you know, I love this album. Um, I've been a fan. I kind of clocked in during the era time and like, I just fell in love with that album and then Fracture was amazing. I feel like that's when you guys cemented your sound, you know, you, you, you brought in all these like amazing drum patterns, but epic vocal lines. Um, and I think it's followed through on this. And I read that you guys described it as a trilogy from era, you know, from era to Fracture to the obviously Shrine now. Um, how would you describe this album to the people about to listen to it? Um, you know, what would be your elevator pitch for it? Uh, it's fucking better than the other ones. <laughs> to, to, put it, to put it simply, uh, and, and that is just objectively. Do you know what I mean? It's not even a, a case of opinion. I think at this point, it is just we've learned so much about ourselves and each other, and and what it is that we're trying to create here, and what Bleed from Within actually is as a band, and that's really what we've been doing. And like the trilogy thing that you mentioned, I think that was that was just me sort of spitballing some shit on an interview uh, over the last couple of weeks, but it it made sense. Do you know what I mean? And it's definitely like era was us coming back after being away for a while fracture we developed that sound further and then shrine is just sort of that on steroids and really cementing the sound that we've been working towards and like davy doing the artwork for all three as well and the progression through the color schemes and stuff 
um, and the production as well, just taking such a jump from album to album. And that's what it's felt like to me uh, through this process. So, yeah, I mean, Shrine is just a development of the sound that, you know, if, if you were a fan of Fracture and you were a fan of Vera, we've taken what we've been touched, what, what's been touched on there and we've really got to town on it. Uh, we've developed it, we've solidified it and it's came out the other end just a completely different beast. It is now sounding how we've kind of wanted to sound in our head for quite a while, but, um, you know, there's still, you know, Shrine kind of embodies that recognising what we've done 17 fucking years as a band now and recognising that and respecting that, but then also respecting how far we've still to go and how far we want to go and how far we want to take this. And Shrine is just marking this point really um, and being proud of what we've achieved, but recognising the sort of the work that we've yet to put in. So, so that's what yeah. it's about. And musically, it's just better than the other ones. So go and fucking buy it and enjoy yourself. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like that, though. It feels like, you know, you you really have, like, you're proud of your sound. And I can see some, like, new parts creeping in there as well. Um, it feels like definitely the most, like, progressive as well. That I think you guys have sounded. Um, a lot of, like, orchestral sounds thrown in, which obviously Nathan knows. I do love some of them. It always makes the song sound yeah. even better. So love it. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, that was stuff that we've been toying with for fucking years, man. I think even back to, like, the second album, Empire, we had kind of MIDI fucking keyboard shit going on and um, Uprising, we started to bring in the choirs and synths and pads and stuff in, in the backgrounds. Um, but it's so prominent in this because we actually had somebody come in and compose, you know, to actually make an arrangement for it. And we had a paid for a, a, a string quartet to go in there and, and track nice. the part. And you're not going to bury stuff there if it actually sounds that good. You know, some of the parts have been layered up, so it's like eight, you've basically got a fucking mini orchestra there or whatever, do you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, we wanted to push that to the forefront, and it was funny hearing people be like, oh, you've got strings now, and it's like, they've been there since 2012, <laughs> but you've just not really heard them because it was fucking shitty MIDI samples or whatever that we've just done ourselves. Um, but having someone come in and go to town on it like this was just amazing, and it added so much to so many parts. I mean, like the end of Flesh and Stone, was amazing yeah. before, but then it's just got this orchestral build through at the end, like the whole symphonic element to it. It was just like, fuck me. Do you know what I mean? Like it just added up. massive. Yeah. So that, that was great. Seeing all that stuff come together um, was really fun. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, when we all, on your sort of point that you did, uh, like you had earlier, where, um, where you also mentioned that um, it's just sort of building from what, what came f- before. Um, that is definitely like a vibe I got when I was, I was listening to the, um, the album because i was sat there going all, all the all the like elements you saw in fracture are just built upon in in shrine so well and they all really have found like their place with obviously your sound um so i i thought it was a really really good watch and i really like how not watch listen um <laughs> but i i really liked um i also just really like seeing your progression as a band like obviously from listening to you know like your first, like your first album all the way up to this you can really hear the elements were there and it's you know like you piecing it together um yeah. so I, I thought it was really interesting amazing man I'm, I'm, that's that's cool that you noticed and um yeah i think that's you know we wear that on our sleeves do you know what i mean and it's um we are who we are in that sense and i think it's well you know, there's not an ego between us in that sense we're not trying to be anybody else and i think we're just developing on that sound i think moving forwards and setting the bar that we set for ourselves. Like it's the next album that I'm so excited about already knowing what we've done here and knowing that we will push this further, but there's also like talk of going in other directions now and sort of seeing what we can push. Maybe we want to go faster and experiment more with the blast beats and just see what we can push in that side. And, but also looking at the kind of more melodic parts and just seeing how we can marry like that aggression and that speed with, melody and the sort of symphonic parts and being like well let's why don't we take a departure from that and just see take a departure from what we've built here and where could we go there and go back to the reason that we started doing all this stuff and yeah it's just it's a really exciting time man to be honest we're very inspired at the moment and just uh yeah loving loving what's going on oh yeah i I also want to kind of go into your your music videos as well because i feel like one of my most like favorite music videos from you guys is the music video for Stand Down. Um, obviously, it was released recently. Um, can you, it looks like, it looks like A, it was fun, quite fun to shoot um, from some of the behind the scenes that I've seen, but can you sort of take us through the creative process of, of, that, of that, inter- that music video as well? 
Yeah, that video was a fucking nightmare. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> Whenever that's we speak about music videos, that's all what bands say. Like, no, that was a fucking nightmare. That <laughs> honestly, I mean, it's brutal, man. Like, I, I it's funny, right? I, I live in Brighton now, and there's a little enterprise car hire place down the road, and I, I, that's where I rent my car. Whenever I have to go back to Glasgow for anything, I go and rent a van and drive up the road. And because I've been going there so much over the last sort of year and a half or whatever. We're on first name terms. They know I'm in a band and all that. And they're like, nice. oh, there's Ali, Ali from Blade from Within. You're like, all right, brilliant. Uh, and now it's like whenever I said I was going back for a music video, the guy that works there was like, that's amazing. Oh, it's so cool. And I'm like, it's honestly a fucking pain in the ass, man. I was like, I need to play the same song 20 times. You're there for 12 hours. It's bloody freezing at the time that we were shooting the videos and stuff. You know, you're, you're doing it for something cool. Obviously, you're never going to complain about it that much, but you're like, man, it's really not all it's cracked up to be. It's not, I think he's thinking of like, you know, on a yacht somewhere in the fucking Bahamas. <laughs> like, that's really not what we're doing here. Um, but yeah, the, the stand down video. So that was an idea that I had ages ago about just a, a prison riot. Um, the song, it was a song that I wrote. Uh, the lyrics for and it, it was basically it's just about conflicts um human conflict like that uh, and sort of some of the divisive things that have that was that's all unfolded in front of our eyes over the last basically during the pandemic when you were stuck there and you were getting everything through the tv and just seeing some of the shit that fucking happened man especially in america i just couldn't wrap my head around it so this was just me being really fucking raging at the world and some of these fucking plonkers you know what i mean uh and yeah, I really wanted to try and convey that idea of conflict um, and do it in an artistic way. Um, I explained my idea to Gunzi. He does a lot of the sort of looks after the sort of video visual side of the band. So I was like, this is my idea. What do you think? And he's like, well, how practical is A, B and C? And I was like, well, I don't fucking know. How would you, how would you do it? And then he, I think it was he had the idea of like doing it one shot. And I'm like, that sounds fucking brilliant. Let's try and do that. And then together with Tom Armstrong, who's been our video guy now for fuck knows how long um yeah basically sort of penned the idea for for this and then yeah did it all ourselves so no production company or whatever we got 20 extras in um covid officer and fucking you know catering and all the carry on venue hire so i think there was about 34 people on set or something on the day which is the first time we've done anything of that size um but just trying to orchestrate that amount of people and we had like a like a fight choreographer there and stuff just to try and make the altercations look real um all this all the police like police uniforms were actual police uniforms from this uh, rental place and um yeah i mean it was a really cool process it was stressful to get done um the first time we were going to shoot it kennedy got covid in the in, oh, in the moment of, of the shoot so we had to reschedule it for three weeks later but we're obviously to a deadline with the album coming out so it was all a bit of a, a mishmash to try and get it done in time uh but we got there so shout out to tom uh, our video guy and director of that video shout out to gunzi as always and um yeah i'm glad he's enjoyed it it was it was fun and it was cool to see everyone's response to it when it was released Oh yeah, I I really enjoyed watching it. I thought it was it was really interesting. It's 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 also crazy. Like sort of hearing like obviously that you know you wrote the song when when we were in COVID and like it felt like there's so much shit going on because like so I, well I, I, now as I well. had that sort sort of same feeling as well because I I felt like it, you know like during lockdown everything was amplified because you was in your house constantly. There was nothing to do but look at the phone and I. Me and my, me and my friend Dylan, we have like a running joke where like eleven o'clock every night, and it's been like this since COVID that it's it's political hour, where it's like all the stress and anger that we've had like read about through the day, we just rant to each other. Like, it's like yeah. yeah, these fucking bastards are doing. <laughs> like, oh, like I, I, I I couldn't even, I couldn't believe some of the shit, man. It was like I think that song was mainly inspired by like the sort of. Know, the death of George Floyd and stuff, and I, I couldn't oh, yeah. believe that whenever when the video was going round, man, and I just. And then, you know, people, Black Lives Matter, which we obviously supported and we put a, a, a statement together just being like, we obviously support this movement. And it has, if it wasn't clear before, then any racist behavior is not tolerated at our fucking shows. Absolutely. If that happens, yeah. you are fucking out and you're not a fan of this mm -hmm. band and you clearly don't know us as people where you haven't paid attention to anything that we've done. And like the Capitol Hill riots, like all that stuff, you just, what the fuck's going on? And then... You know, going into this year, at the time that the song was released, you've got fucking Ukraine and, and Putin going on, and yeah. it was like, what is what is happening? Like, 
and you know, I think talking to some fans and stuff, and it just seeing the stuff online, I think people kind of they understood what was going on, and it resonated with them. Um, even though the song, I, I had nothing, no idea about Ukraine and that that was going to happen at that time. And I think everyone's personal, not even personal, but battles that they've had and struggles that they've sort of had to deal with by witnessing this stuff unfold on the TV in front of them. I think people kind of got the idea. Um, and it wasn't that the song was anti-police in any way. I know it's a police uniform. The idea was just to show conflict, really. Um, yeah. There was like a bit more of the plot that we didn't have time to film on the day that would have maybe resolved it a little bit better for folk. But, you know, the idea was that at the end, everyone is human. There is a, there's a resolution to be found somewhere. Um, get on the fucking path, do you know what I mean? And just, uh, yeah, yeah it, was, it, was, it was wild times, man, for everyone. Oh, yeah, there's such value to the video, though, like, you know, that it, even if it was made two years ago or five years from now, that is still so relevant. You know, there's things, yeah. it's just been an absolute mad three years and I can't believe the things I've seen. Like, obviously, there's been some crazy stuff that's gone on throughout everyone's lifetime, but it just felt like for some reason in these three years, we've just seen, like, the extent of what humans' behaviours can be. Totally, and, mate. Yeah, I, it seems to get worse, so I don't The know. other one is just, like, covid deniers do you know what i mean i was like oh. you know if you don't want to get a vaccine that's fine like just fucking do your thing it's your body your thing keep it to yourself right but saying that it doesn't fucking exist get a grip i've had it <laughs> i had it it fucking exists like it's i fucking awful. had it you know everyone had it like i knew people who'd fucking suffered massively from it like my brothers get long covid still struggling and it was like people that were just saying it doesn't exist no, and david Ike got it and gave his fucking speeches i was just oh man i was so tired at that point i was like you are all daft as fuck like that is just yeah i feel like we saw like some of the like the easily the worst aspects of of like human behavior like during those two years like especially yeah. on your point about the obviously the blm movement I, I i was genuinely shocked when obviously when all that was going on that it was like a dividing topic. It's like, how can you be divided on that? Yeah, it can't like, be. I, I saw a brilliant... Yeah, I know. I just, I, there was a brilliant piece by a, a black comedian. I can't remember his name now. Uh, Colin Geddes was talking about it. I don't know if you know Colin Geddes. The guy I, I, I think I've seen the bit you're on about as well, yeah. Where he's talking about Chad's, uh, Ched's Hanks. Oh, uh, wait, no. He, no, he's no, not no. He's talking about him, but he references this comedic piece anyway that I, I watched a bit of. I just can't remember the guy's name. I think it's... Chad, Chad, I can't even remember. Anyway, but this guy's sort of bit of the his sketch, right? This black comedian, he's like, black lives matter, mm. and he's like, that's what we're saying, like matter. He's like, not this, not that, just they just matter, you know. And when you think about like, that's that's that guy's sketch, right? But then you think about the the, the other side that came back to that, was like well, white lives matter, and this, it's like, who's saying that they don't? Matt, exactly. Like, how how could I? I didn't understand how the the BLM movement could be met with oppression in any way. I, I really blew my mind. Um, how can anyone be against that that idea and that that thought process? I think it comes from like a lack of understanding. You know, what I mean, it's yeah, like totally. people, just, people are so quick to say something. I'm just like, well, it's not a. It's, if you say all lives matter, you're just sort of just diminishing it. Like you just act like it doesn't matter when it's like obviously it does, but you know, there's there's not an oppression of, of you know white people. So I'm like, oh, shut up. <laughs> Wait, it, it's like you know, like it's like all lives don't have like all lives don't have to worry about you know being profiled for the like the color of the skin. Do you know I mean, Absolutely. like that that's the thing. Like that that is like the most important part about it. It's like as a white guy, I don't have to worry about. Yeah, people- and, and that's that's the thing. You know, you feel helpless as you know a white white male in the UK. You're like fucking spoil rotten in that sense um you know we did like you do the blackout tuesday you make a speech about it you try and dedicate you know donate to the right causes and just make your stance known and then carry that moving forward stamp out racism if you ever see it anywhere and, and be on the right side in that sense but outside of that it's it's hard you know you're just inherently fucking privileged like you said you you've never had to deal with that and you'll never understand what it's like um so yeah, that's yeah. It. stand down. Anyone against that? That song's about you. Yeah, exactly. Like, Absolutely. You know, I, I just find it. I just find it disgusting. That we live in a time where it's still like racism still exists. It's like yeah. In 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 the, like 
right now where you we've got all the technology in the world and, and everything like that where we can really educate ourselves into not thinking in such a narrow-minded perspective why do people still choose to have that narrow mind pers- perspective like it, yeah. it's just like it, do- it doesn't make any sense to me it's it's like at the end of the day we're all literally bags of blood it doesn't matter whether you know you even even politically if you're on the left if you're on the right if you're you know in any way, shape, or form, we are still bags of blood and we should still care for one another um, because we all share that same dynamic. We, we are all people and we're all on the same fucking planet. So rather than argue the toss about shit like, or just judge people just based off a, a single difference um, from yourself, why don't you just care about them like, rather than... Yeah, look for the similarities, all this hate inside it. Should, it I just find it disgusting. Like I feel like anyone that thinks like that seriously do do them like they should do themselves a favor and educate themselves. Yeah, yeah. Just- I mean, that, that, that's that as well. I think it's just a lot of hate in in the world, you know. And that's that was another part of that song, just recognizing that that's the conflict and divide that's there. And um, you know, it's uh, it just seems to have been um, exaggerated. Um, is that the word? Exaggerated. It's just. Uh, you know, um, yeah, I think that's the word. But in COVID, during COVID, everyone locked in the house, it just seems to have uh, yeah, blown up a bit. Yeah, and seems to be more hate than ever. So, oh, yeah, definitely. But, yeah, on a on a lighter turn. Um, obviously, yeah. you do drum for two, not not one, but two of the, some of the, the best bands of this generation, including Celeste as well. Uh, massive fan. <laughs> um, so I want to ask, like, you know, do you trans? Do you think like you transfer things from like one band to another? So you know, if you like maybe pick up some techniques for Solaris, do you transfer that from Bleed from Within or vice versa? Like, do you feel like the two sort of combine for you sometimes, or you'll you know you pick up things in that sense? No, I think I think they're very different bands. Um, I think that's quite hard to explain to somebody that maybe A doesn't know the genre or B isn't a drummer. You know, I think it's hard to. Because on the surface of oh, I just I, I play for two metal bands, um, but I, I think I see them as being very different. I think I've got different jobs to fulfil in each one. I think Bleed from Within is a lot, um, a lot kind of groovier, stop starty. Um, I guess more technical parts on the drums wise, and with Silosis, I, I kind of hold hold the guitars, play more of the guitars, or, or I play more off of them, and. Um, hold things together whilst they do their thing you know it's very much more i see it more guitar driven uh in silosis in that sense so um yeah i think i'm getting something delivered here by the way so i might have to go and just grab this no worries, no worries. yeah yeah no worries, no worries. <laughs> sorry Yeah, fucking Amazon. There we go. <laughs> Bleed from within feet Amazon. Yeah. Little, uh, guest cameo. Feeding the corporate beast. Um, <laughs> so I yeah, I think there's uh, I think there is a big difference between um the, the drumming sort of approach that I have to both bands. And I think naturally there probably is a bit of carryover, you know. Um but I, I don't think about it too much and you know, getting to work with amazing songwriters, uh, like Josh and Gunzi and Stephen and that, and they'll always they always keep me on my toes, and there's always fresh stuff for me to be playing off. So, um, yeah, I guess it's hard to balance like between the two because obviously the two pretty mega bands. Like, do you find it hard to like find the time for both of them, or you just like make it work of like calendars and well, all that kind of stuff? Woods up until this point has been pretty good. We've been on opposite album cycles, um, and obviously ever since Josh joined Architects that's kept him pretty busy. So my focus has just been purely on bleeds really. Um, aside from the odd thing here and there. So there's been no clashes yet. Uh, I work closely with the Silos' manager. I always let him know what bleed has coming up. Um, and he lets me know, you know, before anything's confirmed, he'll be like, are you busy on this day? Or if we're going to do festivals, we'll try and line it up. So we're on separate days and I can stay and do the next one or we're on the same day, but far enough apart. Like, um, yeah, it's when I first, when I said yes to Silosis ages ago, I think in my head I just kind of went fuck it. At first I was like, it's not going to work. We'll be too busy. And then when I thought about it more, I was like, fucking loads of people do this. I'm going to try it, and uh, it's worked out all right. Oh yeah, very fortunate. <laughs> I feel like that that fuck it mentality like is something that you need sometimes. Like we, when we 
started doing interviews, it, it was that fuck it mentality. We, we were like, because we'd thought about it for ages and we'd, we'd, we'd sit there and we'd be like, so like genuinely so nervous to message bands. And like one day we just went, all right, fuck it. And like, obviously now we're here, but I feel like it, it's good to have that, that, that fuck it mentality. Yeah, um, definitely. You, you need, you need to just go for it sometimes when I think, uh, you know, as long as you make sure you're, you know, cover all your bases and then go, right, you know what, I'm going to have a crack at this. And if it doesn't work, you, you can say you've tried, you know, so, um, that was definitely my mentality doing doing that, and it's obviously worked for you guys as well. So, So, like on on the subject of drumming, like who was the first? Like, what sort of inspired you to become a drummer? Like, who was the like someone who inspired you musically or um, in any sort of sense? Uh, I used to play clarinet before I played drums, which is oh, really? very very non metal. Yeah, clarinet and a bit of bass, <laughs> a bit of bass and guitar. Dabbled in tiny tiny wee bit, and then. Uh, clarinet and then uh i think a mate got a drum kit one of my old mates from school got a kit and i think i'd sort of messed about on it a couple of times but nothing was really clicking but i kind of liked the idea at that point that's when i started thinking oh you know what drums are actually pretty cool and then uh there was a guy in school that used to have loads of patches all over his he had like one of those fucking what do you call them battle jackets or whatever yeah no yeah. patches <laughs> on his bag and all that and they're just huddles of Pantera patches and they just looked like cool patches. And I was like, fucking, you know, at the time I thought weed was so cool, man, you know, fucking huddles of Hashley's everywhere. So uh, I remember going back onto LimeWire or something and illegally downloading some Pantera. Fucking LimeWire. <laughs> I, uh, I, heard, I heard fucking Hostile for the first time. And that was literally the, the light bulb moment um, as soon as I heard Vinnie Paul. That changed everything. And the, from that day onwards, it was just, yeah, I, I want to be a drummer from that song. So, yeah, Vinnie Paul, RIP, uh, definitely changed changed it for me um, and opened my eyes to the world of drumming. Um, Chris Adler was a big influence in the early days, Lama God. Uh, obviously, As the Palace is Burn and Ashes of the Wake, just two, you know, pivotal albums for, for metal, I think. Um, the shape of metal and what it became. And then Mario from Gajira after that was kind of the next the next person who came along. I was like, fucking just totally blew my mind. Um, alongside that, I was, was always a big fan of Incubus and Tool. Um, so like Danny Carey and Jose Pacelius, um, they kind of influenced what I was doing, which kind of, I think, gave me a slightly different approach to just the straight up sort of thrash beat, blast beat thing um, in terms of trying to make more unique fills and stuff. I tried to incorporate some of that. And then when I saw Mario... I feel like when I got into Gajira and really started watching his playing was when I really started to enjoy my playing more and be more in the present and be in the moment, which for ages yeah, yeah. I'd always beat myself up and be like, I have to be the best I can possibly be. And I was always so rigid with it. Whereas like now, if you come and see us play, I'm just, there's a smile, just smiling from ear to ear and fucking loving life and just, you know, being in that moment, rehearsing well enough so that you can enjoy the show. Um, and I think it was pretty much him that, that turned me on to that way of thinking. Yeah, oh, I love yeah. that to be fair, because um I've saw you guys in Manchester with Ingested. Um and oh, I saw you at Woodstock as well. Like and one thing that I've just really appreciated is like how much you can tell you guys just love being up there and just so much passion and uh, gratitude and yeah, but I think you you put on some killer performances and so I was very lucky to see you guys twice in the same year. So yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, that's oh, yeah. The one. We're um, we're just immensely grateful and humble for those opportunities. Like you said, I think to be 17 years into the career and to be having the progression that we're having now. Do you know what I mean? Like Bleed's kind of gone like this for fucking years. Um, and I think a lot of people probably wrote us off uh, a few years ago and, and now we're coming back and going from strength to strength and things are lining up for us and it's going well, you know. Um, obviously, we're still grounded. We stay humble. We, we just keep working hard and, you know, stay in our own line and, and do our thing. But those moments where you go on stage and it's a sold out crowd and it's your crowd or you're on main stage at a festival or something, it's like, we are fucking grateful to be there and to anyone that watches us and, and, and parties with us on that stage during that time is uh, part of the family, for sure. Oh, yeah. Like, me and I think me and Brad both went to see you uh, at Bloodstock and I, I, I honestly, the performance was, was incredible, man. I, I, think, I think every single band as well like, sort of brought the role um, onto that, but I, at U's were probably like one of the most, like, most standout bands for me. Um, coming back, like coming back from Bloodstock, I just thought your performance was so well done, and it didn't. There wasn't any like sort of feeling that 
you know, like they were, there were no passion to it. Like you could feel the passion between all of you when you were playing and it really fed through for your uh, music and your performance. So yeah, I think you guys put on some of the best performances I've seen for a while. Thanks, yeah. mate. And I was like dying at the time as well because it was Sunday and I was just yeah, like, but... I'm, I'm laying on the floor, oh, wow. dehydrated. Fiercely, I've got sunstroke. And then as soon as I heard the first note, I was like, right, I'm in. Let's <laughs> it's go. <taking> cool. <laughs> yeah, Brad, Brad was in a bad way at Bloodstock. I've yeah, got so I've bad. got so so many like clips of him looking drift white with sunstroke. <laughs> I know I know the feeling, man. You know, uh, you know, fellow ginger. Is, is it, are you ginger? Yeah. You got some ginger. Um, I'm blonde, but my beard goes a bit ginger during like the summertime. So like yeah, a bit of a well, chameleon, it changes colour. <laughs> yeah, fellow ginger here. I've I've done the full weekend at a festival, drinking every day in the sun, and yeah, when it gets to that Sunday, man, that's it's not a good time for you or me. Yeah, I'd sit in the medical tent and they had like fans around me. I was just like, oh, this is cool. Oh. I'm bored. <laughs> Brutal. Oh, yeah, it, it was, that's too fair. I feel like everyone, everyone went a bit too hard at Bloodstock. Our, uh, our mate, Caleb, will, will probably be watching the, the, uh, this, like the ginger part because he's, he's also ginger and being like, finally someone said it because he, he was <laughs> suffering because A, he broke his back as well. That was, that Fucking was. Fucking hell. Yeah, it, it, mate, it, it was horrific. And he managed to like, he still managed to walk home like after Bullstock uh, and then went, went to like the hospital like two days later. And then like they're like, you've, you've got a break in your back, mate. <laughs> that's, that's, how the fuck did he break his back in? What, what happened? So, so like for the video version, I think Brad's gonna have to put like the video up. But okay, basically what happened? So one of our mates, Griff, um, a song came on and Gaylor went, "Let's do the dirty dancing, that uh, move." No, mate, they fucking nailed it. No, they actually nailed the move. It doesn't right? sound like they did. I'll be honest. It sounds <laughs> like they made an ass of it. <laughs> no, they nailed the move. Right? It's like after. Like Griff like goes to put Kalen around his uh like that bike down, but Kalen's drunk and he, he just like goes into like, like for like a bear hug, so he like wraps his like legs around him and like Griff loses his footing and then just slams straight into Kalen's hip and his back just bent and yeah, that's where the break happened. Oh! So yeah, mate. Yeah, I, was I was like the video, <laughs> I'm on like the other side of it, and I actually saw the back bend and I and for a second. We were like, oh, he's gonna get up, and then like he kind of like to like turn, and we could tell he was actually hurt. And like, oh shit, he's actually like really hurt. But then like the rest of the festival, he played it, he played it off as if like he wasn't in any pain, and we're like, oh, he must have just must must have just been like like I a kind of think about why. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then like two days later, he was like, boys, I brought my back. And I was like, okay, now that's absolutely wild, man. What a fucking tripper yeah. for keeping for carrying on there. Well, he carried his tent and everything back home as well. Like, I was there, yeah, like, how has he managed to do that's, that? That's, that's where the damage would have been done, guaranteed. Oh, yeah. Well, they, they said that he had, like, almost, I think, three, three fractured vertebrae and, like, one one break or something, something along those lines. And it, they were there, when they, he said, oh, I walked home, they were like, you walked home. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it was, it was pretty bad. Oh, cheers, cheers to that guy. That's what yeah. I fucking yeah. watch. Cheers. <laughs> Um, so I know that in your, your spare time, you know, craft beer is one of your passions. You've started a, a craft beer Instagram. You guys have got a bleed from within collab with Overture. So um, what's what would you say is like your ideas for brewing in the future? Like do you something that you're cooking up in the moment or something that you'd like to do? Like would you do like a style uh, IPA for one? What would you want to do? I can't believe you're bringing this up where I'm drinking a fucking Estrella. <laughs> hey, Estrella, Estrella is the best economical one, to be honest. Like craft, you're going to fall back to a normal beer. one. The craft beer aficionados in the comments are going to be going fucking tonto at this. <laughs> um, yeah, I craft beer. I, I fucking love it. It's funny you mentioned the Instagram page thing. So uh, I'd been joking about that for like, it wasn't even my idea. I think it was actually Steven, the guitarist, that was okay. like, you should totally do a review page for craft beer. And he just started, whenever I posted about beer, he would just send me a message with, at Ali drinks cans. Just a little fly plug there as well. And he uh, <laughs> just messaged me and he's like, you have to get this. So eventually I was like, right, fuck it. I'll just get the profile. So I've got it. And then I think it was only last week where I was like, you know what? I've got like 12 or 13 beers that I've just, there's a great craft beer shop next to me in Brighton called Seven Cellars. And I go there every week and I'll just buy like one can, maybe two cans. One of them I'll drink and one I like to save. And I'm like, I'll save that for a rainy day. And I've got fucking loads of them. And I was like, right, you know what? I'm going to start going through this now. Can a week. Or two cans of the oh, weekend, yeah. you can post it through the week or whatever. And uh, 
actually start, you know, number them and try and get into the hot profiles and start to see what you're meant to be tasting. Like it's just, yeah, purely as a hobby. And whenever I go anywhere, whenever we travel to another country, man, whenever we go to Europe, I'll be like, right, craft beer bar or bottle shop or what's the best bar for beer in this city? And I, that's yeah, where absolutely. I go towards, you know what I mean? And the rest of the guys don't have a problem with that. They'll just quite, they'll humour me and be like, oh, fucking Ali's on a mission again to try and find a great beer bar. And nine times out of 10, they're like, this place is amazing. <laughs> yeah. So um, so I, I love craft beer. It's fucking brilliant. In the UK, we've got a great selection. Um, and yes, we will do another collab um, with uh, Overtone again. I think we'll be, we'll probably have a long and fruitful uh, friendship slash relationship with them uh, just because they're Glasgow based and they are one of the best craft breweries in the country at the moment and I'm not just saying that because they're Glasgow and I'm not just saying that because they've done the stuff with Bleed anyone that knows their onions will know that they are fucking great at what they do um, so yeah we are going to do a Shrine beer that will come out I don't think anyone's going to be particularly surprised to find that out um, <laughs> I'm not sure when it will be released but we have been discussing what we'd like to do um, so that will happen at some point Okay, I'd, I'd, I'd love to make a whiskey. That's the that's the thing for me. The next mission is try and find a, a company that will do as a whiskey. Um, we'll need to see how that pans out. Oh yeah, that 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 would be cool though. A, a, a nice blade from the within uh, whiskey. Definitely, um, definitely. You, you got you got to make sure that it's 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 Scottish. Got to make sure it's a Scottish company because we know oh, that. Oh, yeah. Of course. <laughs> I, I, I've noticed like Japanese have gotten into whiskey and oh, like the, 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 the Japanese Japan- stuff is. Man, yeah, really I know. Good. I was like, I, I, I asked someone there, like, this is like top tier stuff. I can't remember the name of it, but I was like, this is actually really nice. There's a few of them. You've got Nika, Nika from the Barrel, and then you've got like the, oh, it's brewed by a Sapporo company. Um, the, oh, I'm not even going to embarrass myself by trying to remember, but there's two of them that are amazing that are quite sort of readily available in the UK, and then Nika from the Barrel as well. So those are the kind of three. Um, but when we went to Japan, um, so I've been there twice once with a band I was filling in for and then Bleed went over and I think it was when Bleed were there obviously because it was a Scottish band our guide was like you have to come to this bar and took us to this bar that just had the most insane selection of Japanese whiskey and you know they were honoured that we were there and Scottish people and they were letting us sample all these different ones and it was just oh, amazing. It was another level man because the water's just so pure over there as well so they just got their distillation process down to a tea and it was it's amazing. Like I'm quite into my whiskies as well. I don't know half as much as I know about craft beer, but uh, I'm slowly, slowly getting there and trying to educate myself on some whiskies. But um, yeah, keep your eyes peeled for a bleed from within one in the future. I'm sure we'll we'll make that happen. I am. I'm excited yeah. to see it. Um, obviously, you spoke about the the original uh, collab that you did, um, but I I want to kind of go into the the original a bit more and like how did that sort of come about? Who approached who? Um, what was the sort of like process like for for actually? Like making your own beer. So the first the first time we did a, a craft beer was with a company called Drygate that are based in Glasgow as well. They're kind of like the craft beer arm of tenants. I think they're part owned by tenants. They've got a great bar and restaurant. If you're ever in Glasgow, you should go and visit Drygate. It's fucking great. Um so we had a there was a guy that was a fan of the band there um that worked in the brewery side, but a friend of ours was the restaurant manager. So I was big, largely inspired by like Deftones with Belch and Beaver. Over, um, Opeth had beers out. Mastodon had beers out. It wasn't a new thing, obviously, but with how much we all loved our craft beer, it was like, I'm going to try and make this work. So I reached out to a friend, Danny Sue. I was like, do you have a contact for somebody in the brewery? She gave me this guy's contact um, at Drygate and we exchanged a few emails and it just, it happens like really quickly. They were like massive fans of the band. They were like, oh, we listen oh, to you guys and listen to you guys when we're brewing the beers and stuff and we were like holy shit did this just happen over the course of like two emails <laughs> so we did that one that was like a blood orange ipa and i think that came out in like 2018 um the end of 2018 so we did that and it was a really small batch we only did like 250 liters i think or something um we took a couple of cases to bloodstock when we were like high up on the sophie Lon- uh, lancaster stage um yeah, I think we took some to another show that we were doing. And then that was that was it for a while. And then when Fracture came out, I really wanted to do something special for Fracture. Obviously, um, really successful al- a really successful album for us up to that point. And um, I asked the guy that worked at Drygate if he wanted to do another one, but he was no longer working there. 
and he recommended Overtone. And at the time, I obviously knew who Overtone were, but I just thought that was unachievable and just unattainable. I was like, man, they're fucking really going places and doing shit. And it was so funny, man, reached out to them and their response back was just, I mate, we'd love to. You guys are class. And we're like, <laughs> what? So we jumped on a, it's quite funny actually, because Kaylee, their marketing manager, she organized a call with me and the head of sales. And they got me on a call and basically made me do this sales pitch that I'd already kind of put in an email. And then kind of when it was, the sales pitch was done, they were like, oh, we were going to say aye anyway, but we just wanted to hear you chat a bit of shit. You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> awesome. The, yeah. And it just, it started for there. And there's such a great team, such a small team, but so good at what they do. So dedicated, man. You've got like fucking new beers every week, essentially coming out of there. And uh, yeah, we got them down to our, they've done two brews of Fracture now. And I think it's like two and a half thousand litres each time. Um, they've got it in kegs. They sent it around the country. It was really popular in Glasgow. The first one sold out in no time. The second batch went quickly as well. And um, yeah, when we were talking about doing Shrine, it was their suggestion to be like, oh, you know, should we do another one sort of thing? And was like, let's fucking do it. Aye. Like, oh, uh, yeah. So yeah, really excited to continue to work with them and just build. It'd be nice to have like a collection of maybe six beers or something. And then at some point, at least like a bleed from within pack and sell oh, that'd be really cool. stuff for that. That'd be really cool. I'm, I'm sure we're going to be working together for quite a while. Um, for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm a, like, it's just so cool that, you know, there's a lot of like craft beer places that are just like huge metalheads and they love like the bands approaching them and they want to collab doing it that way. Um, I think they go hand in right. hand in some ways because like a lot of metalheads love drinking like craft beer and I think people brewing the craft beer also happen to be fans because I've, I've heard a lot of stories of like that being the reason because they're like generally more excited than even the band sometimes to, to get that uh, collaboration going. It's mad. Like I've already had like since the whole overtone thing, and especially with overtone because they've like really well known in the craft beer scene. I've had about three or four messages from other breweries in the UK being like, "Would love to collab with you," and some of them are fucking great. But I'm like, we've got that thing with overtone now, and they're Scottish. They're from Glasgow. I'm like, yeah, overtone are you know that's that's our folk. We kind of need to stay with them, but. Um, yeah, I, I'm sure we might branch out at some point and, and do something um, with another brewery somewhere in the UK. There's been some great ones that have reached out, and it's just a cool thing to do. Do you know what I mean? We don't make any money from it either. Like that's not that's not why we're in this. We did de- dedicated, um, not dedicated. We donated like a, a share of the profits that were made um, to a couple of charities off the first brew of Fracture, but that wasn't like we asked the brewery if they would do that because the the sort of flip around is you guys make a beer, we'll put our name on it. We just want free beer, basically. And we want, yeah. to, be able to, take, we want to take it on tour and we just want to celebrate it with this. That in itself is cool because the margins on profits on expensive beers like that, especially, are actually quite small. So it's only fair that the brewery gets to keep them. Um, and yeah, in that sense, we're just happy to have something with the band name on it and something we're all passionate about and get some free fucking Kansas at the end of the day. Oh yeah, yeah as well. Nice. Like you know, yeah. it, it it's something like I feel like it's something very very unique to have as well. Going, you know, like I imagine like obviously if you if you went to like a family, member, like, I've got me on beer. There you go. They'd be like, oh <laughs> shit, yeah. I mean, because like like um, it's like, anything to do like like merch anyway. When you've actually got something physical with like your band name on it or any any sort of thing, you're like, oh, yeah, this is sick. This feels because it's something real. Like yeah, this this is fucking ace. Like. So. Definitely, and if it's somebody that's into craft beer, like when I went up to the, the place in Brighton, they actually got some of my beer in there, sort of thing. So I went up one day and I was with my girlfriend, and we went, we walked in, and I saw the can of fracture in the fridge, and I looked at the missus, and I was like, "Fucking!" <laughs> I'm looking at I'm looking at the guy behind the bar, the the counter that, that knows me, obviously, because I'm in there every week. And I'm looking at the guy and I'm looking at the missus and I'm pointing at the can. Like, See this? I'm, I was like, I'm going to say something. She's like, oh, fucking hell, please don't. Do you know what I mean? I was like, mate, do you sell a lot of these? <laughs> He's like, yeah, they're actually really popular. And I was like, that's quite funny you should say that because uh, that's my band. Yeah, I feel I feel like I need to get like the, the shrine vinyl, get like, you know, whenever the next Bleed from Wind Bear comes out, just like sit down with the beer, listen to the vinyl, and I'm like, ah, balance, as all things should be. Oh, mate, that'll be a, that'll be a fucking dreamy <laughs> day. That's, that's when we're actually, we'll, we'll, we'll get it scheduled for that. Our vinyl doesn't come out until like September, October, because everyone's fucking vinyls are delayed. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, yeah, we'll probably have the beer come out about that time so that people can do exactly that. Yeah, I, I love that. That'd be cool. 
yeah, we are sort of coming to the end point of the interview now. Uh, one way that we always like to leave it is what advice would you give to a new musician starting out and what advice would you give to your younger self as well? Fucking hell. It gives me actual palpitations thinking about starting a new band in this day and age. Um, <laughs> there are just so many fucking acts. It's uh, it's quite overwhelming, I think. Um, so, yeah, respect to anyone that's going out there and starting starting a new band in this day and age. Um what advice would I give? Uh, man, there's, there's so much. I think, um, you know, educate yourself as best you possibly can. Like, we, we, we are self-managed. It's me that manages the bands now. Um, we've been through our highs and lows. And, you know, I guess telling my younger self is the same thing that I would tell, like, the band that's just starting sort of thing. And it would be educate yourself as best you can and don't be afraid to ask questions and ask why and ask what and you know what does this mean and what will this do for us and you know um i think a great piece of advice as well is like getting lawyers involved basically a lawyer will always be involved at some point in the process but do you want them to come in at the end and fix it when it's fucked or do you want them to set out the ground rules so that it doesn't get that way um so invest in a small bit of money at the start to maybe just get you know set the foundations of your business or your company or your contract will you know it will uh it will really pay off in the future. So yeah, don't be afraid to ask the questions, stay true to yourself, write music that you love, um, genuinely love. And uh, yeah, try and stay present in the moment. Like I mentioned at the start of this interview, I think really enjoy what it is you're doing because it will pass you by. Uh, we've been doing this for fucking 17 years now, which is more than half my adult life, which is fucking terrifying. And I feel like the first maybe decade of my career, I just wasn't really taking it in. Um, and that's kind of changed in, in recent years. So, yeah, enjoy it. Stay true to yourself. Ask the questions. And, uh, yeah, good luck. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, honestly, your, your, your guys' passion is truly inspiring, to be honest. And I think it feeds through from the music as well. Um, can't wait to, you know, see the reaction to Shrine. Because if they're going to love it as much as me and Earth, I'm sure they will. Um, it's fucking amazing. And Fingers crossed. It's really a testament to you guys' sound and how much, you know, how far you guys have come from then to now. So, yeah, honestly, thank you so much for coming on and having a chat with us. I really enjoyed that, man. That was a great chat. Uh, interviews can be a bit dry sometimes, but this was not dry. We always try to make it just feel like more of a, more of a chat, more than anything. Yeah, um, that's fun, man. Like, like, obviously, press campaigns go on for however many months. And um, this has just been great as well, just in general, that this this sort of run, I think the, the album's got some good vibes and everyone's kind of having a good time with it. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's not been as bad this time, but this interview in particular was a great laugh. So thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate no it. No worries. It's been yeah. great having you on. Um, like Brad said, we, me and him have been fans of yous for quite quite a while now. Um, so when, when we got the opportunity to even get you on, like we were both freaking out over over Facebook message. Yeah. You're going, oh, it could happen! It could happen. <laughs> well, I'll make sure I'll make sure you guys when Shrine Beer comes out, right? Make sure you get some of that and let me know what you think. But then um, maybe we'll meet up at a show or something. We can go and find a wee oh. craft beer. But where is it? Your best? Where are you guys best? Leeds, Leeds. Yeah, well, Leeds. Yeah. Right, I should have guessed. But uh, you've, you've, got Northern, <laughs> you've got Northern Monk, right? That's in Leeds. Yeah, oh, well, it's it's yeah. funny you say it, that meet up for a beer because me and Brad have had a beer crawl of most every almost every single craft beer bar in Leeds. We will shit face afterwards, but it, we we now know the good ones. Like, <laughs> yeah. well, next time we're in Leeds, right? You can keep me right, and uh, I I'd love to meet you boys for a beer for sure. Definitely, definitely, Absolutely. I'd love to meet you for a beer as well. Class. Yeah, That's listen it. to Shrine when it comes yeah. out. If you're listening now, and uh, check out the uh, craft beer Instagram as well. We'll be keeping note of that too. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Cheers, guys. Noise. Right, cheers. cheers. Thank you very much.